and welcome to the formal review. Today, we'll be talking about the 2022 film, Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore. Now sit back, relax, grab your drinks, let's talk about this movie. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to the formal review. This is season five, episode four, and I thank you all for tuning in once again. This episode will be a full analysis on the newest film in the Wizarding world universe and also the thoughts on the prior two films in this and how it really impacts the overall harry potter fandom so stay tuned now before i get started there may be some spoilers in this analysis for this film and the first two films and also potentially from the harry potter films for the harry potter films it's been a really long time if you haven't seen that sorry but otherwise as always though i will do my best to keep it fairly vague so not to ruin the movie for you however as i always say do go see this film before listening to what i have to say about so you fully understand everything but if you don't really care about those types of things just keep listening also i know i talk about this at the end but the data shows that most people don't listen to that part so i want to talk about it here and reiterate the importance of leaving reviews on your favorite subscription services i do read those because i do want to grow because these episodes are really for all you listeners out there and i want to keep this entertaining so what do you want to hear do you want to hear games do you want to hear more of the 4k stuff do you want to hear me talk about a certain movie if you want to come on and talk to me about something for you want to debate i'm always open to do stuff like that so you can always reach out to me on social media i always want to grow and improve and just because something works doesn't mean that it cannot be improved so if there's something that you want me to improve on let me know and i will grow as such anyways so let's get back to the movie at hand so let's sit back relax grab your drinks and let's talk about this movie Fantastic Beasts The Secrets of Dumbledore is a fantasy film directed by David Yates from a screenplay by J.K. Rowling and Steve Kloves. It is the sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Fantastic Beasts The Crimes of Grindelwald and is the 11th overall in the Wizarding World franchise that was established in the last film. Before I get any further, the titles of this series is the ridiculously stupid part because it makes really no point to attaching Fantastic Beasts to this, but I digress. This film again stars Eddie Redmayne, Jude Law, Ezra Miller, Dan Fulger, Allison Sudo, Callum Turner, Jessica Williams, Catherine Watterson, and Mads Milkison. It is set several years after the events of the second film in the series and it sees Albus Dumbledore played by Law, tasking Newt's commander played by Redmayne and his allies up with a mission that takes them into the heart of Dark Wizard Gellert Grindelwald's army. Now this film's release has been delayed many times. It was initially scheduled to be released on November 12, 2021, but then following Depp's departure on the film, his role was recasted with Milkison and the COVID-19 pandemic. Warner Brothers shifted the release to July 15th of 2022. Then in September 2021, it was then pushed forward three months to April of 2022. Now, while it is a vast <laughs> improvement from the last film, the story is fairly chaotic and is overstuffed with information. The film starts off essentially recapping the prior film and then really goes
goes everywhere before finally settling down in the third act, which does end with a decent conclusion. Now before getting into the negatives too much, there are some positive aspects to the film. The set design and world building are absolutely stunning. This film really does put the wizarding world on a more global scale than any of the prior films, including the Harry Potter ones, which was really cool to see. The acting by Redmayne and Law playing Newton Dumbledore is still fantastic, especially by Law. And it also brings in new character depth to Albus's brother Alberforth, played by Richard Coyle, and Newt assistant Bunty, played by Victoria Yates. Additionally, Williams as Professor Hicks was a welcome new character and she was lovely to see on screen. However, the rest of the characters are almost afterthoughts and feel wasted. They seemingly only had them in this to wrap up their stories so that the writers don't feel obligated to continue them in the next film if that happens. And that's where this film struggles the most, the writing. Now, outside of her personal life decisions, Rowling, in theory, would have been the perfect person to put together a script for these films. However, as it turns out, she is perhaps the weakest portion out of all of them. The problem is that these films do not really have a relatable character throughout the story. It doesn't have to be a Harry Potter or even a character that was mentioned before. It does, however, have to be a character that goes through trials and tribulations and then comes out either on top or not. Newt's commander is not that. Yes, he's funny and awkward and Redmond plays him very well, but nothing really happens to him in any of those films. You don't see a character arc really with him. Yes, he goes through some development, but it's not an overarching story surrounded around him. The first film, his monsters get misplaced and then he tries to get them back, and in the second one, he basically becomes a pawn for Dumbledore, and this film continues that. Newt is so underutilized in these films, so much so that he's not the protagonist of it. Again, he doesn't have to be the chosen one, but the prior films decide instead to give time to an utterly pointless Nicholas Flamel and Nagini characters. The whole purpose of this franchise was supposed to introduce Newt Scamander and the people in his life, but this film and then the last one really sidelined him for Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Now, although Milkelson does play the villain very well, this character in this film is seemingly very different from Depp's version. Depp's version was more menacing, an almost Aryan totalitarian wizard that would even have a muggle child murdered for no reason. Now this version comes off more elegant, though still horrible, and that's not a bad thing, but it's not consistent with the prior film. Now while Depp leaving was unforeseen and is somewhat problematic and Honestly, when it comes to the Amber Heard situation, both of them should have seen punishment for everything because clearly it is a, both of them are not innocent in this situation. So not one of them should see punishment and the other should not. But I'm not gonna go into that because it is obviously, it's a very complicated situation that really I have really no right to give too much of an opinion on it. But that's just my small thought is that they're both not great people when it comes to that relationship, but yet Depp is the only one seeing punishment for it. If Depp is in punishment, Amber Heard should get punishment. If Amber Heard doesn't, Depp shouldn't. It's very complicated. It is what it is, but that's just my quick thoughts on that. But anyway, even though Depp leaving was unforeseen, why did his care? Why did the character's behavior change so much? Yes, it's a different portrayal, but at the same time, there are certain things toward a character that should stay consistent throughout the film. The last film basically depicted him as this ultimate evil wizard, but then. This 
this one has a more tender side as he proudly proclaims his love for Dumbledore. Now speaking on that, this is the first ever depiction of Dumbledore's sexuality as it has him obviously discussing his love for another man. Now this character aspect was known for many years, 15 to be exact, however it feels almost a forced plot point that Rowling put in to make her statement from 2007 true. However, this plot point really has always felt forced by Rowling. The final book, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, was published in the summer of 2007, but the same year when asked about Dumbledore's love life, Rowling said Dumbledore was gay. Quote, Dumbledore fell in love with Grindelwald and that added to his horror when Grindelwald showed himself to be what he was. To an extent, do we say it excused Dumbledore? Little more because falling in love can blind us to an extent, but he met someone as brilliant as he was and rather like Bellatrix, he was drawn to this brilliant person and horribly, terribly let down by him." End quote. And she also noted that she'd always thought as Dumbledore as gay. However, his sexuality nor his love life was touched on in any of the Harry Potter books. And while her thought on Dumbledore may be true, that maybe she always thought that he was gay, in the writing doesn't, there's no evidence of that. And frankly, when you're giving evidence to a character, you can just say, oh yeah, I thought of him as that, but then that part wasn't important to the character. But then when you bring it back around that it was, it's inconsistent. Is it important or not? Then why are you bringing it up now? These types of questions, at least to my knowledge, I don't think J.K. Rowling has really gone into. Her explanation for it, I kind of understand, but at the same time, it just doesn't feel executed well. Yes, out of anyone, she knows these characters more than anyone. And yes, her thought of these characters is more valid than anyone else's. And Dumbledore being gay is not a problem. It's that when you give that point and then it's just like, oh yeah, he is gay, and you go back and read it and that has no implication on the story whatsoever, what was the point of bringing that up? That's where the inconsistency doesn't work very well. Again, I think J.K. Rowling does would know these characters more than I, and, and honestly any of her readers, but at the same time, what's the point of saying that if it doesn't impact the story at all? If it's really just something, oh yeah, he is. It's like, okay, what are we supposed to do with that? It's about being consistent with the character. He's gay, fine, you know? I think that's not the problem. The problem is, is that, what what's the point of bringing that up? It seemed that it wasn't a big priority, but then again, why bring it up? If it's such a big thing that you have to bring up on the side, then why isn't it brought up in the story? It's taken 15 years for this demonstration of this character point. And so it doesn't really make sense, at least to me, and I may not be the best person to speak on this, but I think that this is a kind of a small problem, an inconsistency with the Dumbledore character that frankly, either she should have written it into the story a little bit more. And now that like we have it first time showing it on screen, that is good. You know, I think that showing this part of his character may change a little bit, but because it's taken 50 15 years since that declaration to actually show it, including the Harry Potter films, including the prior Fantastic Beast film, why wasn't it a priority in these stories? It doesn't matter until it does matter. And okay, then why bring it up? Because this is literature, it seems just like a forced in point that you're just trying to explain and handhold somebody that, oh yeah, by the way, yeah, Dumbledore is gay. And to me, this type of thing is obviously very complex and something that maybe I don't fully understand of what this potentially could represent to people. The way that this whole sexuality aspect of the character has come about, I question it from JK Rowling's point of view more 
soul of asking why. Why is this introduced? Not so much that it is a character flaw. Again, fine with the fact that Dumbledore is gay. But again, up to this point, it hasn't mattered. Why should Rowling bring that into the equation? She says that, oh, I didn't do it because it wasn't needed. Then why are you bringing it up? Are you trying to force him being an LGBTQ icon? Or what are you trying to do with that? When JK Rowling says, oh, I didn't include it because it didn't matter to that story. Okay, again, then why bring it up? Just to have it there as a cool tidbit? And especially because it was after all of the books have been written, it just seems forced and unnecessarily done. And again, she said one other film to introduce this idea, but they didn't. In short, it's not done in a very, it's not executed very well. I'm not sure if just JK Rowling didn't know how to execute it and that it's just a mistake on her part, or if it's just, and it, or she was just trying and she failed miserably. I don't know, it could be either, but at the end of the day, it does feel a little forced. Had JK Rowling found another way to do it, maybe this character point would have been better. So it's a big character trait that was never brought up ever in the books or anything. And it just, no matter how much she can claim to know these characters extremely well, because she is the author, but again, it just seems like a shoehorn in quality that JK Rowling's writing didn't earn. It just was a quality, oh yeah, I, I thought that. I mean, she can say that she's always thought that, but who knows? So I'm not honestly sure because of the writing, it doesn't give me evidence of it. And yeah, now we have evidence of it in the films, but again, because it's the key point here, maybe that will allow for the other films to get a different viewing and you can see the different choices that he makes and stuff like that. But again, this was a story point that she introduced back in 2007 and it's 2022 and this is the first time we're displaying it. Yeah, it could be studio based and whatnot, but if it is such a key thing to bring up in interviews and everything like that, maybe we should have had some indication of it at all, especially with her involvement in films since 2007. The first four were released before Rowling publicized this aspect of the character, but then the later films didn't discuss it really either. And as Rowling was involved with these films, it could have been fairly easy to introduce into it, maybe by one line of dialogue. If she can get Alan Rickman rest in peace to keep the always secret for that long, she could have put in a line of dialogue or something. Now one can make the argument that the studios weren't ready for it back then and all of that, but it still comes off as a last minute addition that Rowling wanted to do for no real reason outside of just retconning it into the story. It's just bad writing when someone makes it a point of the story but then has really no build up to it. And because that ends up being a very strong point of these films and the reason why Dumbledore cannot go and attack Grindelwald, you had to introduce it at some point. And because they don't, it's kind of a big portion of the story. And on top of that, months after the release of the last film, Rowling explained the relationship, quote, incredibly intense, end quote, and of, quote, passionate love, end quote. She went on to explain that she's really uninterested in to explore the sexual side of the relationship because, quote, one never really knows what the other person is feeling. You can't know. You can believe you know, end quote. So in other words, she's not going to touch on it anymore. And readers and film watchers are just supposed to read between the lines and just accept her statement, which is honestly, when it comes to a lot of the choices in this film, it's just, you have to accept it. This is what you're going to get from these films and we're just going to have 
have to accept it and not really care about how it continues on throughout the rest of the franchise which again is the one of the bigger problems which i'll go on in a little bit but additionally rolling has a obviously very big ongoing controversy with the lgbtq plus community so the sequence of this declaration of love between the two characters still feels off and really feels more like damage control than anything sincere however milkison and law are both great as these two tragic lovers now this film does have also a lot of fan service such as incorporating similar locations such as hogwarts and frankly it's really nice to see gryffindors and slytherin students interact with these new characters albeit very stereotypical and typical behavior of their houses the gryffindors are nice and the slytherins are the bad students this again contradicts what a lot of the prior two fantastic beast films and also the harry potter films really tried to show that this stereotype of slytherin students being bad is not true in fact that was one of the biggest plot points of crimes of grindelwald with lena lestrange's character and also again going back to the harry potter stories with malfoy and also snape this is like the, one of the bigger contradictions of how these stories just aren't written well to go along with the entire universe and at the end of the day the film doesn't add anything drastically new stories to the franchise other than pushing the current narratives along there are some decent underlying themes such as the importance of brotherhood through the comparisons of newton theseus versus albus and abaforth which does give some sweet moments intertwined throughout the film overall it does try to fill in a lot of holes that the prior film brought in however it still brings back the question for the fantastic beast films is that one why do these films have fantastic beasts in the title it makes sense in the first one but not the following two and the second question is whose story is this or basically who is the main character of these films this one does make ambitious choices to create a world similar to Rowling's inspiration of Lord of the Rings, but it doesn't hit on all of the marks. This film does end decently, but it's still slightly awkward because it's still trying to set up another film, which I'm not sure is going to happen. The biggest problem with the ending is that Dumbledore has not gotten the Elder One yet. Now this could have been easily fixed, showing him disarm Grindelwald in that battle toward the end, but they seemingly wanted to wait for one more film to do that. Unfortunately, if that doesn't happen and another film isn't made, this is a huge plot hole in the overall Wizarding World story, as that is a key point in the Harry Potter films. I hope that they can get another film simply just to do that, because it's such a huge point that Dumbledore gets the Elder Wand from Grindelwald. Given what's the box office numbers that came from this one and the dislike that it's mostly getting, but there's still some positive thoughts about it i'm not holding my breath i really do hope though that they do it just to conclude that storyline because if you're gonna wrap up some things you gotta wrap up the important one and again this all comes down to the writing despite these films being written by rolling herself there's a number of continuity errors. It does somewhat fix the Credence twist that the last film gave that connected him to the Dumbledores. Since he's dying in the similar way to Dumbledore's sister, it makes sense that he wouldn't make it to the Harry Potter stories. However, as that character was a big part of the first two films, his story is somewhat sidelined here and wrapped up so cleanly that it feels unrealistic. 
However, the battle between Credence and Albus is a pretty cool scene that really was enjoyable to watch, even though the setting that they do it in is never really explained of how that power works. This goes into Dumbledore's powers, they just, you have to accept again the fact that he is this powerful wizard and pretty much can do anything that he wants when he wants to, but they don't really explain that at all. But it does add for some cool things, even though it's not explained. Another problem is the can cameos of Professor McGonagall at Hogwarts in these films, though it's nice to see the character. The books have her being the Hogwarts professor for 39 years as of the 1990s, so she would have been born in maybe the 1920s, and these films take place around late 1930s, early 1940s, somewhere in there. So arguably she's supposed to be 15, but she's teaching here and she's pretty much an adult. Yeah, it's just a detail, but it's an important one because it shows that there's not real consistency between these two franchises. As such, this can easily confuse casual moviegoers and honestly upset hardcore fans. This film is somewhat saved by the third act, finally making some sense and providing a somewhat reward ending that is somewhat reflective of some of the Harry Potter films beforehand. Although there are supposedly two more films in this franchise, the writers really do have to figure out a way to give these characters something to do other than being pawns for Dumbledore. While the bar is not set very high for the following film, it needs to wrap up everything succinctly or it will be ridiculously hated. But then again, I'm not holding my breath. I'm open to see what they do and maybe they've learned from this outing and how to connect things better. We'll see. Again, it's not all negatives, but the good aspects of this film are small islands in an ocean of annoyance. It's not bad in the traditional sense, but it's not really good either. It's fine, and it's an improvement on the last film, but that doesn't say a lot. It struggles with its details, its story, and some of its direction. However, it does do well with some of its direction, its themes, and its ending. It's straight up middle of the ground, and I would rate this film a 2.5 out of 5. Now what did you think of the film and how does it hold up in both the Fantastic Beasts franchise and also just the overall wizarding world, which again is such a stupid concept because it was just brought in on the last film, but otherwise in the overall Harry Potter universe. Let me know. Hit me up on social media. The formal review is on Facebook, Twitter, and the gram, and also YouTube. The handle's all the same. It's at the formal review. And for anyone who has supported me on a financial basis, I thank you very much for supporting me in that way. For anyone who wants to support, you can go to anchor.fm forward slash the formal review click support this podcast and any donation is appreciated thank you all again for tuning in and until next time if you're able to get vaccinated and i'll see you at the movies thanks for tuning in to another episode of the formal review cheers and we'll see you next time